you know, if you do find that initial level of success where, you know, whether your audience is on Twitter or, or, you know, Instagram or wherever it may be, you know, you have to keep in mind, you don't want to keep all of your eggs in one basket. So, you know, you're, you want to devote all of your time and energy to what's working for you, but just bear in mind that, you know, things can change, algorithms can shift and you don't want to be caught, you know, with, you know, with your pants down because an algorithm got, you know, pulled out your entire audience. So yeah, definitely be mindful of that as well. Yo, 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 what up? Welcome to the Mindful and Ruthless Podcast, where you will learn the mindset, the strategies, and the tactics in order to develop a full-stack life. Hey everyone, my name is Agi. I'm a lifestyle entrepreneur, blogger, and speaker, and the host of the show. This conversation that you'll find here today was recorded at FinCon 2018, and it's with three amazing individuals who have built successful blogs that get over 100,000 visits per month, and they monetize these blogs with affiliate sales and info products. So in this conversation, I wanted to ask them, how did they do it? Like, how did they create such a successful online brand, and what's their secrets? If you're looking to start your own blog or online brand, or if you already have one and are looking to scale it, this would be a highly beneficial conversation for you. So, ladies and gents, it's my pleasure to present to you Jeff and Ben, founders of DollarSprout.com, and RJ, founder of TheWaysToWealth.com. Let's get my phone roof, let's! What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Mindful and Ruthless podcast. And this is another episode that I'm uh, taking here over at FinCon. We're right now in Orlando, Florida, um, over at FinCon, which is a huge conference uh, around basically finance in a way, but also just like a lot of bloggers and people, good people that have content and are building online brands. So that's what makes me excited uh, to talk to you guys out here. Today I have Ben and Jeff from Dollar Sprout and have RJ from Ways to Make the Ways to Wealth. The Ways to Wealth. Yeah. The Ways to Wealth. Awesome. So yeah, I was talking to, to you guys um, like a couple of days ago when we just met, and I was just like, yeah, what do you do? Kind of like exchanging and like, yeah, we, we have a blog. Yeah, we're like, okay, we have with website with content. Like, okay, great. Like, how many visitors? So and then you told me the numbers, and I'm like, whoa. Wait a sec. So you really like you build a business? This is like your business, and this is a serious business that you guys built. So. Um, can you just maybe like uh, RJ, we'll start with you, and you can, you can explain about your websites and the amount of traffic that you have and what you have going on in your websites. Sure. So RJ Weiss from the, the Ways to Wealth, and just to give you a summary of the website, is a personal finance blog, better ways to save money, make money, and uh, invest it wisely. So I really focused on all things finance. Really, the site's two years old. I've been um, only about 200, 250 posts in, and we'll get about... Anywhere, you know, averaging around 300,000 unique visitors a month. All right. Yeah, I'm Jeff with dollarsprout.com, and we are a personal finance blog geared towards a little bit of a younger audience than I think RJ's blog is geared towards. We kind of cater towards the millennial population looking to make and save extra money and really just learn the basics of personal finance. So we started that site in October of 2017, last year, and since then we've grown it to about 200,000 monthly visitors um, to that site just via a bunch of different ways of getting traffic, uh, Google, Facebook, Pinterest, any sort of social media. Um, so yeah, that's, that's our business in a nutshell. All right. Awesome. Uh, so, like, and, and you guys know each other, right? Like that's why like, you guys yeah. connected. It's like the first thing kind of that you, you actually know each other, but now you're, you, right, you met each other in person. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. We're in a lot of different Facebook groups. It's one thing that kind of as 
bloggers, one thing I didn't know when I first started was how valuable Facebook groups are for, you know, if you don't have a big conference like this to go to, at least connect with people online and, and interact. So, yeah, we met RJ through a different, few different Facebook groups, and a lot of other folks that we got to meet this week are actually people, connections we made online first. So it's kind of cool to get that experience. Pretty awesome. And uh, were those like um, finance um, groups or like or groups about like online business or blogging? Mostly about business. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, and, and Ben, like, could, could you go maybe around and, like, uh, explain uh, what's your background and, you, you know, like, how, do, like, college and then what, you know, like, or what do you study in college that got you to worry to opening a website and launching an online business? Yeah, sure, sure. So, actually, what I went uh, to college or university, whatever you may call it, I actually had nothing to do with business or, or, or running a personal finance website here with Jeff. I actually went to a technical school, um, mostly engineering and science-related classes. I did biology. I can speak for Jeff. He did biochemistry, so so not exactly a personal finance background. Um, but over the years, we've kind of shifted in, in that direction. Um, so yeah, definitely didn't definitely didn't go to college um, to study business or personal finance. But you know, there's there are ways you know, to turn it from a hobby and into a business, and that's kind of the route that we took um, since graduating. Cool. Yeah, my experience is I spent 10 years in the financial industry, um, mostly on the insurance side, small business and personal commercial uh, insurance, and became a certified financial planner and really leveraged what I knew there to create a personal finance site. Cool. So, um, and how did you meet, by the way? Yeah, yeah so Ben and I are actually uh, college buddies. We met. Actually, we were since we were both kind of on the uh, medicine route in undergraduate uh, school, we actually both ran on the Virginia Tech Rescue Squad running 911 calls as EMTs. So that's where we met and basically we were just friends for the first, you know, seven years of our friendship before we decided to try this whole business thing out. Um, so, yeah, I, my background, you know, I graduated with a degree in biochemistry, actually, Hated my major. I felt stuck in it, but it was too late to change. So I finished out my degree, got a job actually at a wealth management firm working with clients, helping them invest their money, and then decided that I, I didn't really like the traditional career path of having a boss and you know working on someone else's schedule. So that kind of led us towards the online path of trying things out. So that's kind of how we got started in a nutshell. Cool. And like... I know that when I launched my first blog, Pixel Perfect, in, mm -hmm. in Israel, um, that was in 2011, and I kind of like said, I, I, I'm a designer, come from the skills, I know I have something to give out to the world, um, I'll just start writing about it. I didn't think about money, I didn't know, like, you know, I, I said myself, it's a blog, so if, if it works and people like it, I'll probably find ways to make money with it, but I mm -hmm. didn't think about money. I, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing, but I think it was a good thing in a way that I'm, like, I about value first mm -hmm. um, that's what started this whole thing that like I learned that value uh, pays back mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand I didn't monetize when I could have monetized way earlier ago and made a lot of money uh, back then already um, which you know it's okay um, but how did you guys approach it when you just launched your, your blog? Yeah, I, can go, I can go first yeah, thinking back it was two years ago now I actually got the idea from uh, a Pat Flynn niche site challenge he did. So that kind of inspired me to start a blog. And one of the things that you learn when you start a blog is, you know, what you don't know at the beginning is an immense amount. But if, if you can just start 
you'll, you'll kind of find your path. So it really took me um, six months of content creation with not making any money. Um, I wasn't, you know, really just had no niche, had no plan, but it was what I was learning over those next six months that kind of led me to form a plan. So, you know, I started in a pretty broad category with the ways to wealth and all things personal finance. But as you kind of find the, the niches, the untapped niches in, in your niche, um, in your space is really kind of where um, I led the direction of the blog. And it, it wasn't until I was in that for, you know, six months. And I, I bring up that point because that's when I kind of um, discovered affiliate marketing. And then a couple months after that is when I discovered Pinterest. And I really didn't know a thing about those when I started. Um, Same. You know, flat out. So it, it wasn't, if, if it wasn't for that continual content creation where I, I tried to provide value up front, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to take hold of that opportunity that I had. Yeah, so spe speaking for, for us, our situation was a little bit different. So when, I, when we first decided to start blogging, it was... I, I wanted to create a new career for myself. So obviously that part of that equation means like you got to feed yourself. You got to bring in some revenue. But also one thing that I was really fascinated by, by online business in particular, was, you know, when I worked for a financial advisor, it was always one-on-one -on -one work with clients. And then I, you know, would see things online of these blogs reaching tens, hundreds of thousands of people. It was like, wow, I can provide value at scale a heck of a lot better than I can working at this little wealth management office in a small town. So it was more the, the idea that we could provide value at scale far more than I ever would at an office. And coupled with that is, you know, you can, you can make money. If you can do it right and actually learn the skills to, to reach that many people, because the reality of blogging and online business is if no one knows you exist, you're not going to make it as a business. Right. So to kind of learn those marketing skill sets and pair it with your desire to create valuable content for a lot of people, I think that's ultimately what kind of helped us approach it from a business mindset when we started while still wanting to deliver as much value as basically humanly possible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, from the start, we've you know, had a focus on, you know, trying to monetize some of our content, build an audience. Uh, but we were, we were fairly intentional from the start about how we approached it because I was trying to create a new career for myself right. as opposed to start a side hustle, kind of like just make a few bucks here and there. Right. Um, so, yeah. So you were both kind of like, um, was it like, did you guys think about it over a beer? Kind of like, oh, like <laughs> how, do you, how do you come up with this? Like, let's launch a website and start an online business. Yeah, so I mean, <clears throat> like Jeff had hinted at earlier, we had been friends through college for the better part of seven years. And, you know, both of us kind of had that, you know, entrepreneurial mindset. We, you know, had always tossed back and forth the idea that we were going to start and have our own business one day. The problem is that our, our interest in business didn't really align with our skill set at the time. You know, again, coming from, from science backgrounds, just the knowledge gap of one, starting a business, and then two you know, finding a need or finding that a gap, if you will, you know, a need that you can fill and then meeting, meeting your clients or your customers needs, uh, by providing value. So that was, that was an initial hurdle for both of us. Again, we had, we had tossed back and forth the idea of starting a business. We just had never really aligned on, on a common goal. And so, you know, I can speak for myself on, on my end of the equation, you know, having met Jeff and, and known Jeff's 
you know, goals. I, again, didn't come from a wealth management background, but, you know, I had an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit, spirit, excuse me. Um, I had actually had a hosting business, a makeshift hosting business throughout my teens. And so, you know, just one of those things where the mindset and the aspiration was there. I just didn't have a common, you know, vision or shared goal. And that's where kind of Jeff came in the picture. He had, you know, an idea of what he wanted to do, a vision of what he wanted to accomplish. And I had kind of like a complementary skill set. You know, I, I, didn't, you know, I wasn't able to immediately adopt. I was learning myself. I was kind of learning what personal finance was. You know, Jeff was putting out content and creating content. And then I was using my skill set as a, you know, money, you know, savvy entrepreneurial nerd and trying to figure out how can I help, you know, how can I have Jeff? How can I market his content? And so that's kind of, you know, where my skill set came in is I complemented his vision by helping get it out to more eyeballs. So I, I like numbers. I kind of am a little data, data cruncher. Um, and so I was always trying to, you know, figure out a new angle to reach, you know, the audience that he wanted to, to meet and yeah. their needs. So we kind of had that complementary skill set that's helped us kind of get to where we are. Yeah, pretty cool. And, and you guys, like, have you read Rocket Fuel by any chance? Mm. No, it's like a book, um, like it's a pretty popular book about entrepreneurs. Sure. Uh, it, it, we ran it in a fat flame group. So there's, um, it says like there's two kinds of people. One is a visionary and one's an integrator. So it's like, um, and when those two people meet, it's a great partnership. And everyone has a part of those skills. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that's actually a cool concept. I might have to pick that one out now. Just <laughs> yeah. It does sound like it applies a lot to us. It makes so. perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, so they have a quiz on their website. So anybody listening can uh, can go and have that quiz and then say, what am I, a visionary or an integrator? And therefore, like, find those missing skills in a partner. It's very important when you find a partner, and like to, to have those complementary skills. Mm-hmm. Because if it's like, if it's non-complementary, um, it's 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 clashing. Yeah, um, for sure. Also, would you say one of your just like I'm curious, would you say one of you is more uh, an introvert uh, than the other? Like kind of like more one the introvert, one the extrovert type. Um, both of you like. I would like say we're both fairly introverted. Um, I think that. There are times and situations, such as being at FinCon, where we can kind of break out of our shell. Yeah. You know, introverted extroverts, I guess. And sometimes you heard that phrase, where people are naturally introverted, but if it requires, you know, kind of breaking <laughs> out of that mold, breaking out of that shell, we can we can kind of accomplish yeah. that. So not not you know so introverted that we can't get out. I think that's something that I didn't really agree with. The title of the title of his um, um, gave a talk once, and he was like, you know. Like, if you're an extrovert, you need a partner who is an introvert because otherwise it wouldn't work. And, like, makes, maybe it makes some sense. But, you know, I think, like, yeah. the visionary integrator thing works in a bit, in a way. Um, I got myself, when I ran that test, and I, again, like, I had a partner, we broke up, never worked out. But uh, when I took that test, I came out to be um, both kind of, like, very similar, like, mm. integrator, and, integrator and visionary. Um, so maybe that's something that really um, makes my part, like, I'm like, I, I, you know, I, it will be fine. It will be hard for me to find a partner just because I'm like both those things. Kind sure. Of. Sure. Um, I don't know. Like, but it's, it's like, we all got to have all those skills when we're entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. anyway, and RJ, I guess like, you're kind of like me, you know, if you're like a, a lone wolf kind of like, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's a different type of business being on yourself every day. And that's why, um, it's good to, to get at a FinCon where you can right. meet different people. And I think, you know, I would probably say, I'm more naturally introverted, but I think one of the things that, if you learn a little about introverts, one of the things that they do is they recharge by being them, being by themselves. But they can still go out there and communicate with other people and learn from other people, and that's that's definitely the the amount of 
um, conversation that you had here, even coming from an introvert, is has been you know just very valuable to me. Yeah, totally. So now that we got um, the mindset things out of the way, let's get... No, like, I'm saying um, a lot of people right now listening are wanting to start a blog. Mm-hmm. And maybe some just started a blog. Um, I feel that I cannot give advice to people, like, really being vulnerable, like, you know, totally, like, honest here. I, I launched a blog, Pixel Perfect, picked up, great. Um, I reached a level of, like, um, 12,000 uh, uniques mm-hmm. very fast. And ever since, it's between 12 to 20K uniques on the website, ever since, like seven years. I couldn't get it above 20K. It's like, you know what, some month maybe with the launch or something, I had like 20 something, 25 to 30 maybe, but it never reached that line. And then I launched Hacking UI, another blog with a podcast. Um, And on that blog, we wrote less but very quality articles uh, just because we were both like in uh, very... Um, top positions at the startup, similar web, and like my partner and I, and we just, my partner barely wrote, I wrote most of the content, and we, so the content came out like once every two months, like an article, and we got that to, well, we had also a podcast, a weekly newsletter, like we were like back and forth, and we had some guest posts, so we, we got that to about steady 30k, like back then. Sure. I just checked out, by the way, I didn't touch this website for an, for a year and a half now, I just checked out yesterday. We got an increase of like, you know. That's uh, and, and, and I got a 22 uniques the previous month. Sure. I'm like, what? I didn't touch this, this website. But again, like, these are very small numbers. You guys are talking about like 100, 200K uniques, right? Um, so, and I don't, like, I know it's advanced stuff. You guys are integrating uh, Facebook ads and Google ads. And like you, you, like, you have like a whole strategy around how you're bringing right now so many people into your blog because you can like right now you got to a point you built it up to a level where you can do some advanced stuff um but what would your tips be to anyone like just starting out a blog yeah sure i'll take this one from here um so there's a couple things to keep in mind and then you know when you're when you're just first starting out you know you say you have a a skill set that you're you know thinking that you might start a blog around or, or you know you just have a general hobby or interest and i think that something to keep in mind is you know, knowing your target audience very well, and then kind of getting an idea of how big your target audience is. So say, for example, you know, you're into fitness or you're into, you know, say you're a chef and you can and cook and you think that, you know, maybe you want to start a blog that revolves around those topics. Part of, you know, getting a reasonable idea of how much traffic you can expect to get or how much you can scale your blog is kind of understanding how big, you know, your audience can be. So I can speak for RJ, I can speak for Jeff. We write on personal finance and, and business oriented topics. So if you if you sit here and think about it, I mean, both of those audiences are naturally enormous. I mean, money applies to everyone, you know, in the world. And so, you know, there is like your audience targets, you know, how big are you catering towards younger, you know, again, investors or people that are interested in making money, you know, how specific do you want to get? So that that's a very large part of deciding, you know, how much you're going to be able to scale your business. Another thing that can take into consideration is, is geographically speaking, like plays, I guess your geographical spot in the world actually plays a large part in how much traffic you can reasonably attain, especially when you're first starting. Because what happens is Google is showing results based on where you live. Facebook is giving you content that's in your language. So it's one of those things where if you 
are targeting a small audience and you're from a small part of the world, it's going to take you a lot longer to grow your traffic to kind of these, you know, perhaps scaling past five digits into the six digit and even to the seven digit range, you have to find ways to appeal to larger audiences. So, you know, if say you are interested in something that's hyper specific, hyper unique, you know, be it, you know, podcasting about a certain topic, you have to, you know, are you going to try to build a audience of core followers that, you, you know, you, you realize there's this expectation that you're, you may not grow past a certain point, or do you think, can you get creative about building off what are called shoulder niches and, and maybe tying, you know, your recipes into fitness and kind of taking advantage of both of those, you know, niches. So it's just, you know, you have to kind of have an idea of who your audience is and then that can give you, you know, a better idea of how much, how much room you have to scale, how much traffic you can reasonably expect to get one day. And I, I would add to that just that there's different business models for different um, niches. So the design niche may have a complete different business model than the personal finance niche. And you could actually, you know, and you could fill in the blank with each of this. If, if it's another niche, you know, lifestyle blog, if it's a certain lifestyle blog, you can make uh, profitable income on 25,000 unique visitors a month. But it's, it's really what type of um, content you are creating. And so it, it, there's just different business models. So it's, you know, it, it's a very vanity metric, the whole idea of traffic. Um, you know, because if you go back to the 1,000 True Fans article by, by Kevin Kelly, which is kind of famous in our world, and if you haven't uh, had a chance to read it, I recommend you check it out. But, you know, if, if you can have 1,000 True Fans in a niche and get to, you know, a, a place where you are serving those fans immensely, you can do it. So it's, it's not all about traffic, but in our business, in our, our models, it is about traffic. For other business and other models, it might not be. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to add on is, you know, if you don't need half a million people to your site every month to make a living. I mean, if you are selling a product or service and you get a thousand people to your website a month, but 500 of them are joining your email list because you hit their pain points perfectly and you have something to sell them eventually down the line, you can make a living off. I mean, there's people that get far less traffic than us that have much higher revenue numbers just because they are, they have a valuable product that they're selling to their audience. So yeah, like RJ said, I, I wouldn't get as much caught up in traffic in terms of, you know, what do you need in order to make it? You don't need as much as, as you think. Well, I, I, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Like you guys, what you guys are saying is totally true. Um, but more traffic is better if you <laughs> yeah. can build it. Uh, okay, there you go. So like I'm like, um, I'm saying I used to be small niche and yeah, I made, we made money with, mm -hmm. with niches. We find ways to make money. Um, we we know for a fact like when I say we it's like my partner and I back then we like it, it, it is known that if I research my audience and I like so what I did I, I just um, in this past February I had a 30k launch mm -hmm. uh, of my online course sure. like in two weeks I made 30k which was okay that's, that's, cool, that's right? great so, that's like awesome. it's not like the, the 100k launches that my friends have sometimes but mm -hmm. like it's okay it's my first big launch um, and that's because I researched my audience. I was talking to them over, over the phone for like, I, I was giving like two hours of free coaching calls to my audience for like, I don't know, a year. So I was talking to people and like, okay, I feel your pain points. I know what you need. I know what you need. And then I, I, I launched this thing. Um, and then it made 30K, which is nice. Mm -hmm. uh, in a niche in Israel, right? Sure. Um, that's awesome. But, but I'm like, I, I'm, 
I'm wondering, like the, the big games, the, the big numbers, the big numbers in traffic, they bring with them the uh, possibility of putting ads and affiliates on your website. And that's something that's passive income, right? Mm -hmm. And we're all looking to make passive income. And so right now, like my struggle, um, and, and I know, again, like I, if, if I just thought about it, I'm like, wait, I'm like exactly like my audience, like people that are starting the blog. I just have a new website. Like Mindful and Ruthless, it's six months old. Like I, I just launched this thing. It's new. I'm building myself from scratch. Um, and this show is fairly new, although I have the, you know, the background of all my podcasts and all my blogs and whatever I built. Um, I, this is still a new community. It's still a new thing. Um, I know being consistent makes it worth. I know, like, uh, I know that I'm going to be like, you know, like I, I'm, I'm playing the value game. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also thinking like, how do I get SagiSchreiber.com now? How do I start building it right now to, um, you know, 100K? Um, will I be able to do that? It's about creative entrepreneurship. I know that entrepreneurship is, you know, a topic that, you know, people are interested in mm -hmm. building passive income, something people are interested in. That's what I'm doing. So I know I, I know I can in a way now play the numbers game. It's not design anymore. This mm -hmm. is entrepreneurship and making money and passive income, building your lifestyle. So yeah, I think that for a business like yours, where you have product sales and you have people coming to your website, I think there's a huge opportunity for affiliate marketing. Like that is done in a relevant and helpful way to your audience. So you say you're a designer. If you, for instance, like write a blog post about, you know, something in your design process and you mention Adobe Photoshop or something like that, I'm sure they have an affiliate program, you know, start building up that library of content that's truly valuable to your audience, whether or not they buy your course or click on an affiliate link, they're, they're getting value out of your content, but adding those passive streams of, you know, those affiliate links, like where they make sense, I think is a big opportunity that a lot of people that start off in the, in the product mindset, they, it's almost like it's either, it's not just products or affiliates. You can do both and succeed with both. I mean, especially if you're getting traffic, I mean, part of the affiliate model is based off of getting a lot of eyeballs on your content. But like I said, if it's, if it's highly relevant, you don't need as many eyeballs. Um, so. Yeah, I would say one of the things that kind of helped me when I was starting out was actually really beginning with the end in mind. So I had this little you know, journey I took into the concept of buying and selling websites. And when I did that, I, I, you learn some interesting things. So you learn about different business models. You, you learn that, you know, uh, a review site, if you rank for, you know, a certain keyword in your niche, that can be highly profitable. And that is a, um, a type of business that's actually being sold a lot right now. And people are looking to acquire. Um, it is that, that type of model, that SEO approach, review keyword. Um, so, you know, in any type of niche, there's definitely opportunities for affiliate income. It's just a matter of, um, you know, creating what you want to create. Yeah, I mean, so affiliate, by the way, I, I don't know if anybody listening right now knows what affiliate is even. Uh -huh. So, like, but I think they do, but just like to make, <laughs> to align, align everybody on what it is, it's like you have specific websites. Uh, for instance, you gave, a, um, Jeff, you gave the Adobe um, example. So Adobe sells Photoshop and now they have an affiliate program. You can go to adobe.com, sign up for their affiliate program. Then they basically give you a link. Through that link, anybody that buys through that link, you get commissioned. So like I don't know, like seven percent or whatever from the sale. 
So that's like the affiliate thing. Like a lot of products have affiliates. Uh, in the design space specifically, I found that almost nobody has affiliates. And I, yeah, so I was cutting deals with people like, you know, manually, like let's track how many people, you know, buy your stuff and then, you know, I'll get ref here. But um, that, that didn't work out, you know, like, and there's not the cookie that can track like, you know, three months or whatever. Um, anyways, in, in the design space, it's dead. But I'm, I'm saying like, now I have an entrepreneurship blog, right? And again, like people in my community, some, some are designers, some are not, like, I don't know, like, but I have a blog. I posted a quality piece of content. How would you now market it out into the world? Like, what's your um, what's your advice on like putting it out there and getting the massive um, as as much traffic as possible back to that article? And I could tell, you know, what worked for me. And you know, I, I think you have to start with the premise that I'm in the personal finance list niche, which is a very broad niche. Everyone, um, you know, there are people really interested in. There are people who. who um, are kind of passively interested, and there are people who don't really care about it too much. But um, so it, it's there's millions and millions of people in this niche. So going to large social media sites um, to start out was a successful plan. So really, kind of the timeline of the ways to wealth was from zero to six months. I, I really kind of learned a little. So learned about posting, got back to the basics of SEO. Um, from there, you know, you, you keep learning. You, you don't stop learning and you, you, you listen to what other bloggers are doing. And, and out of all things, I discovered Pinterest. I, I didn't have a Pinterest account. I didn't, you know, it took me a while to understand what exactly the Pinterest was, what exactly people, you know, had in mind when they visited there. But I leveraged that platform in the personal finance space to really gain traction in my blog. And, and that gave me... Um, enough to where I had pr really pr proven the business model. So I, I knew that if I could drive visitors to my site and convert them, um, I, I have a 50-50 split with affiliate and ad revenue. So I knew what a visitor was worth once they came from Pinterest. So then I went off and did Facebook ads. So I, I targeted traffic on Facebook ads was kind of my next level. And that you know, Pinterest was able to get me to about fifty to seventy-five thousand unique visitors a month, and it was Facebook ads, and that really took me to the you know hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand range. But all the time, I was still focusing on Pinterest and SEO and trying to grow those as well. So those are the three main categories that I focus on to grow my blog, and and they work because a lot of it has to do with personal finance and what people are interested in um, on those social networks. Yeah, no. yeah, you guys use Pinterest too, right? Yeah, sure. So it's it's one of those things where you know if you're if you just started out or you're thinking about starting or like you said you already are at the stage where you have a quality piece of content and you're you're struggling to get it in front of more eyeballs or you're not struggling but you just want to take it to the next level. I think you know what RJ was hinting on was that you know we ourselves included have found an immense you know a level of success from Pinterest early on. I think that if you've been in this scene a while, you may have heard some chatter about how organic, you know, reach on these new on these social media platforms is getting harder to come up by, you know, right. Facebook, right. Pinterest, all these social media platforms, you know, are competitive. I mean, they're we're not the only ones in the space and so yeah. everyone is competing for news feeds. And so, right. you know, if you're a creative entrepreneur and you're just starting out, again, just rehashing what, what RJ has already said that Pinterest treated us well. I think it was one of those platforms that's still pretty young in the grand scheme of things and their algorithm 
was pushing our quality content that we desperately wanted eyeballs on to a larger amount of people quicker than it would have happened from, you know, Facebook or like a search engine, for example. So if you're searching for something on Google, it takes a little longer to kind of surface. And so Pinterest was sending us, you know, started out pretty small, 500 hits a day, or excuse me, 500 hits a month, and then 1,000 hits a month. And then it was getting to the point where we're getting 1,000 hits a day from Pinterest. And so I think in the first six months of really honing in on our strategy, staying patient on Pinterest, within about six months, we were probably getting about 30,000 hits a month. So about 1,000 hits a day. What? And wait, so like you, you're personal finance. How do you, and Pinterest is like, you know, shopping for, you know, like visual, very visual. How do you? All right, just wanted to take a short break here. Um, if you listen to this episode all the way here, it means you probably find value in it, right? So, well, I wanted to just let you know that this is a weekly show and it's published first on the Mindful and Ruthless Facebook group as it's recorded live. Yes, this is a Facebook live interview and it basically allows you to interact with the speakers and myself and ask questions as we're recording the podcast and we are trying to answer all of those questions so if you haven't already be sure to search and join the mindful and ruthless group on facebook i promise you you'll find amazing value in joining this community as long as basically joining a community with a lot of other amazing entrepreneurs so all right back to the episode that's exactly what we thought and actually uh (laughs) The way that we stumbled across Pinterest was, you know, we had tried Facebook, tried Twitter, tried what we thought was SEO, but it wasn't SEO. We were just not doing anything really. Mm -hmm. And basically we were like, okay, we're just going to try Pinterest. We kind of sort of know what the platform's used for, but I mean, Ben and I had never used Pinterest as consumers before. We got there as bloggers and like looked around. I was like, wow, everyone has these vertical images. Like, what is all that about? Like, why... Like when we first started, I think we used like our feature photo for our article as our pin. And that's, you know, you, as you immerse yourself in a platform, you kind of learn how it works. And we were fortunate to just get like a shred of early success on Pinterest, especially when you compare it to our early Facebook efforts and Twitter efforts and whatever. I mean, to get a hundred hits in a single day from Pinterest when you've been getting five a day from Twitter and Facebook combined, it it was kind of like a, a light bulb went off. Like, okay, there's something here. We're going to devote the time to learn this platform. And really, there's no shortcut around like putting in the time and the work to just emit, like immerse yourself, immerse yourself in the platform. I mean, study all the, the influencers in that space, see what they're doing that maybe the smaller accounts aren't doing and try to always test and learn, like refine what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Pinterest was really kind of how we got our break, I guess you could say, from, you know, not getting any traffic, considering, like, not really giving up, but just not going anywhere. Yeah. And then Pinterest happened, and we got a lot more focused oh. when you start to see that first initial success. Yeah. And I would say, too, if, if I was listening in a beginner, the, the lesson that I would take away is not that Pinterest is a great place for traffic. It, it can be, but in both of our stories to recognize that we've kind of started to throw every, by throwing everything against the wall, um, just to kind of see what works. We had to learn, um, you know, you'll recognize that in both our stories, there was a learning curve. Mm-hmm. And once we found something that worked, we, we went deep into that platform. We, we did not, um, you know, we, we took away resources, which was mostly our time at this point out of other ways of marketing that didn't work. We didn't try to be everywhere. Yes. We did a really, sure. Sure, good sure. job 
of, and, and I say they did a great job of really mastering that platform um, and mastering one thing at a time. It wasn't that Pinterest is the place to be, it's that Pinterest worked for them and then they became really, really good at that one platform. It wasn't all about spreading yourself everywhere. Yeah, I think something we entrepreneurs really, like, I bet everybody listening right now to this podcast, like, oh my God, I'm going to go on Pinterest, like, and, and myself as well, like, I'm like, holy shit, I, I've never been to Pinterest, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, like, I got to check that yeah. out, and sometimes we just spread ourselves thin, um, I can say that it happens to me pretty often, like, you know, like, in, on one hand, we have to try all the platforms, because sure, we, we sure. need to try, right, yeah. you know, we need to experiment, but, yeah, my, like, for me, like, I found... Twitter was not working so much, um, so for me, like I just put uh, there's other ways to keep it kind of like alive. I just like put Twitter on on, yep. on an if recipe for sure, uh, and LinkedIn just like sends it to LinkedIn. And so so basically, like everything, you know, we just found a process where like Twitter just works for us. But I'm not visiting Twitter or um, or or LinkedIn. I actually don't go to LinkedIn, but I get people telling me they're they're seeing my stuff on LinkedIn. <laughs> sure. So like there's ways to put those platforms on kind of like auto auto mode. Um, and focus on what you're really trying to focus on. Right now, I'm trying to focus on Instagram, but I don't know if, again, I, I'm just like, you know, learning how it goes and it's working, okay. But yeah, but I'm definitely, you know, looking to, to find Pinterest, like to, to just like, you know, check it out, just understand like, maybe if it's something that, you know, isn't worthwhile, so. Yeah, I think that, you know, if you don't look for, like we kind of talked about earlier, is don't look for traffic for the sake of getting traffic. You know, if you have right. what you think is a great piece of content and it, and it is great, and if you imagine a scenario where 100,000 people read that piece of content today, you know, yes, it can help them, but how does it also advance your business? So if you don't have, you have to also have, you know, you have email opt-ins in place. Do you have, you know, do you have any sort of product idea or funnel that they could eventually go down? So it's not just a matter of getting as many eyes on a piece of content as possible. Right. It's, you know, create something that create something that's valuable. And, you know, in the event that hundreds of thousands or millions of people read it over the next several years, you know, how does that back out for your business as well? If you're looking to do this as, right. as a source of income, which I think is something to kind of balance, you know, if you just, just don't get too like focused on just the traffic aspect. Right, no, totally. Like mm -hmm. I, I think it's really a good point uh, because like I'm you know, talking to you guys, like the value place, the, the value thing I have in place, the, the funnel things I have in place, like in my mind at least, mm -hmm. in my experience, traffic thing I never cracked. Like, and that's yeah. something that I really struggle with like all the time. Like how do I, how do I crack the, tra the traffic thing? And now that I have this new platform, like this new website and I want to start blogging on it, how do I, how do I leverage that? Um, I will learn about to, the ways to bring so much traffic into my blog. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for great point because everybody that is not thinking of opening a blog, I think value first, mm -hmm. and then like being strategic about it. Like we said, like affiliate program. Think how are, how are you going to monetize that? Mm -hmm. um, I had a newsletter, and uh, just like the traffic got opt-ins, the opt-ins had the newsletter, and the newsletter grew. And once I had the newsletter, I brought in sponsors. So the top link was a sponsor, and that's how I made all my money. So I project done. So yeah, so you have to think about how you're going to make money. By the way, do you guys have email, uh, like email newsletters, like sent out weekly or something? Yeah, I can speak for us. I mean, it's one of those things where you know, as our traffic started to grow substantially, the 
the rate at which we had started to get subscribers grew as well. And so, you know, again, Jeff was, was alluding to the fact that, you know, you need to have an end goal in mind too. We, there was a, an article that we had written that had gone like mini viral in its own right. And we had not, you know, we didn't have the infrastructure in place. There were no email opt-ins. So we got thousands and thousands of hits and then we came away with no emails, no, you know, monetization was in place. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, with traffic, comes numbers and those numbers to often translate to email and um, email acquisition. So yeah, all of our content, you know, we have some sort of, of content upgrade, so to speak, you know, typically our content revolves around, you know, hitting on a pain point and then we offer a solution to our readers, both, both through the content, but also through the form of some sort of email, you know, content upgrade. You know, we want people to get value of what we read. We want them to be our subscribers. And so we offer some piece of, you know, content beyond just the article. And so, yeah, we, you know, I think that right now, just given our traffic level, um, we're acquiring, you know, we're getting about 50 to a hundred new fans a day on, on email opt-ins. And so from there, we, Jeff and I, you know, we're trying to get better about our email marketing. I think that right. we're, we're, we do well with those affiliate sales that you had mentioned earlier. But another aspect of our business that we're trying to grow is the email marketing side of things. So once we get them on our list, kind of nurturing them and, and getting them you know, more familiar with who we are. So yeah, we do. We send out about one email a week right now. Okay. Um, one of our other uh, writers, she's super gifted at email. So we kind of ha- ask, solicit her help with that. But yeah, we send about one e- email a week. Do you segment your list? Sure, yeah. We... Uh, Depending on what you know, what article they came through or what content upgrade, it kind of gives us a just where we're a personal finance site. You know, right. if they opted into some a side hustle list, or they want right. to make extra money, will content will craft that content towards making money. If they came in through an article about ways to save money, yeah. we will try to cater the content that we send them over email to, to right. you know so to down that path. So yeah, it's definitely segmented. So basically, when we say one email a week goes out, it's to each segment or it's like to. In general, like, how do you do that? Um, yeah, so, again, this is just, it is a weakness of ours, but, yeah, we try to send content that is relevant to the way they came in. So, yeah, we have, like, a generic email that we send to all of our readers okay. um, once weekly just to, you know, yeah. keep a, an appearance in their keep inbox, all, like, reminding, you know, getting, sending back traffic back. And then right. we, if and when, you know, we get time, we try to send content that is directly relevant to their original need. So, yeah. yeah. That's something that not most of us do, just because um, we are so caught up in like sending that. Even a weekly email, it takes a lot, of, a lot of time. So then, like, I know that I struggle with this, like creating segmented emails. I have my list is now super segmented, but I just I don't have enough time to time. send a segmented email. A like, right? Like, but I guess it's something that you know we need to also pay attention to, and also kind of like another aspect of our marketing efforts. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to say something. Yeah, I mean, just like as RJ said, like when we found Pinterest, we went all in on that to right. figure out how to make that work. And then as we're kind of, we're doing a little bit of Facebook, a little bit of Google, and to be quite honest, you know, email has lagged behind. And it's just yeah. something that we are aware of and we'll eventually tackle. Right now we're doing kind of the baseline, but it's definitely an opportunity to grow. Cool. Yeah, I'd say one thing that you could probably say about both of us is even though we haven't focused on email, we haven't regretted starting an email list and, and putting mm-hmm. in contact content upgrades into our into our content because you might not focus on email a lot you might not think other people will join but even sending out to a list of 50 people 75 people at the beginning you know I, I still did that and still found it valuable to kind of 
learn as an email marketer and, and learn how the platforms. You'll never regret starting an email list right when you start. Mm -hmm. You know, there's free ones you can start with. They're not, you know, sophisticated and um, segmenting. It, you know, might not be a thing, but something like MailChimp where right. it is free, just start one and you can always move later on. Yeah. By the way, MailChimp just did a massive rebrand. I don't know if you saw it. Um, sorry, I just don't, <laughs> really don't like it. It's terrible. It's like, oh, the... Illustrations. Oh, Mailchimp. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Oh, they did. Oh. oh man. Yeah, we oh, used ConvertKit, and they had a recent rebrand fiasco. But oh, okay. you know, <laughs> no, I feel like rebrands are the the hot thing these days. So you but, use ConvertKit. Yeah, yeah, we use ConvertKit. Convert I use Mailchimp, and I'm oh, planning on looking at other providers right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Mailchimp is great. I really recommend it to anyone who start because that, it's free up yeah. to two thousand people. Like yeah, that you well, can't you beat get that. Lists a lot of people. So like, if you get two thousand people on a list. You better start paying, and you'll be happy to pay. But like, for sure, mentioning the grand that way. Um, and I use Active Campaign. I'm really happy yeah. with Active Campaign. Okay. Really great. Um, funnels work great. Segmentation, uh, everything's amazing with Active Campaign. Um, besides their user interface, that as a designer I'm suffering. But 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 I heard Drip is also very very good. Yeah, a lot of people switch yeah. to Drip. Um, but it's just very expensive. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, I know we have to wrap this up right now. Uh, RJ, you said there's a great talk going on right now, so we all yeah. want to miss couple it. Minutes. We don't miss yeah. it. We don't miss it. But listen, we'll do this. I'll tell you what. Um, some parting tips, sure. All right, from each and every one of you, and then I will. Let, let's do this. Let's. This is a video right now that goes to the community. Mm -hmm. But I have the weekly live show. The podcast is being recorded live. So how about like based on this video, everybody who's listening right now can ask questions, all right? Shoot me over the questions. Once I, I publish this, I'll publish it in Mindful Analysis on the Facebook group. So you can just like ask questions yeah. uh, in the Facebook group uh, in the thread that I will link in the show notes. And uh, based on these questions, we'll gather up another like follow-up session. Sure. Sound good? Sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Great. So um, parting advice. Yeah, I think the, the fundamental idea of what we've both done is one is we have found the issues that our readers are trying to solve and solve them and then found where they are. So whether that's Pinterest, whether that's Facebook or Google or LinkedIn, you know, it could change depending on what niche you are in and it will change. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if you focus your strategy on solving your readers problems and then knowing where they are, you won't fail. That's us. Yeah, my quick little snippet is if you want to start a business, like want to go into this as a source of income, just start as soon as possible. You're not going to get anywhere your first year because you don't know what you don't know, but keep going. And if you fast forward three years later, your life can be drastically different. So just start today. Right. Is my biggest advice. Cool. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, I think, you know, one last thing to hone in on, and this might be a little bit, you know, further down the road, but I think it's still applicable is that, you know, if you do find that initial level of success where, you know, whether your audience is on Twitter or, or you know, Instagram or wherever it may be, you know, you have to keep in mind, you don't want to keep all of your eggs in one basket. So, you know, right. you're, you want to devote all of your time and energy to what's working for you, but just bear in mind that, you know, things can change, algorithms can shift, and you don't want to be caught, you know, with, you know, with your pants down because an algorithm got, you know, pulled out your entire audience. So, yeah, definitely be mindful of that as well. <laughs> be mindful of that. All right. Yes. yes. <laughs> Guys, Good. thanks so much. Really, really appreciate it. It was a great session. So, Awesome. Thank you. Well, appreciate you having us. Yeah, yeah thank sure. you very much. Right, thanks to FinCon for hosting us and yeah. you know gathering the, you know everyone together and like 
in creating a situation where we can meet. So, this is awesome. yeah. Thank um, you. All right. Thank Thanks you for having us. Thank See you on the show. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would love if you could help me out and please rate this on iTunes. This is a new podcast, so reviews on iTunes go a long way. And also ensure that more people will just get to enjoy it. You only have to do this once, not every episode, and it has tremendous impact. Also, if you haven't yet, I would love to invite you to join the Mindful and Ruthless group on Facebook, where I host this show live and also share so much more with the members of the community. This will be a chance for me to get to know you better, and I love connecting with my audience. All right, so until next time, remember to be mindful and ruthless. Ruthless with your gut feeling. Ruthless with your journey. Don't let anybody take you off your path, my friend. Keep on, and I'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Create something that's valuable, and, you know, in the event that hundreds of thousands or millions of people read it over the next several years, you know, How does that back out for your business as well? If you're looking to do this as, as a source of income, which I think is something to kind of balance. You know, just don't get too like, focused on just the traffic aspect. <laughs>